I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Hi, and welcome to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Kate. This is Mike. And we are so excited to have a really special interview for you today with our friend Gabby Bernstein, author of the brand new book, Judgment Detox, as well as the number one New York Times bestselling author of The Universe Has Your Back and five additional bestsellers. So Gabby has been featured on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday has been mentioned as a next generation thought leader by Oprah. The New York Times called her a new role model, and she's a regular on Dr. Oz, and she's been on the international speaking circuit since 2004. And in this episode, we tell the funny story of how the universe brought us together in a very sort of miraculous way as well. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Gabby's basically been everywhere. I mean, I feel like every time I open a magazine, I see Gabby doing something. So it's pretty cool from... uh, She is out and about. Yeah, and she told a little story about why she does that. And it's really cool to hear it from that perspective. I don't know how she does it, but we didn't really talk about that. I'm really still curious about the operations of that situation. Just the marketing PR arm of what she's... Well, she used to run her own PR company, so she knows that world. And she actually has a course called God is my publicist. Oh. And so she incorporates spirituality and PR and media and marketing in pretty cool ways. That's great. Yeah. And so we talked about the so her new book called The Judgment Detox. We talked all about how it was to write that, you know, her methods for writing it, this concept of judgment that we have towards people, towards ourselves, towards other Folks, I guess that's towards she people. She has a take on judgment and why we judge that I actually haven't really heard before. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. We also talked about recovery from workaholism and trauma recovery and business operations and doing less and working with your spouse because Gabby also runs her company with her husband, Zach. We covered a lot of territory. Yeah, it was a really good interview. It was. And Gabby said at the end of the interview, which made me feel really good, that this was her favorite interview so far of the whole book tour. I don't know if we still had that recorded, but she did say that. Well, I'm telling you that she said it. She did say it. Yeah. Yeah, the Kate and Mike show. We also have two copies of Gabby's book to give away. We sure. How are we going to determine? So what I would love to do, tell me if you agree with this, is it'll be two people who post on Instagram, either... I would say just post on Instagram in their stories or on their feed, a screenshot of them on their feed because it'll stay on their feed because I don't know how to see the stories. Okay. On your feed (laughs) tag at Kate Northrup tag at Mike J Watts tag at Gabby Bernstein and take a screenshot of either yourself listening to the podcast or just a, a screenshot of the podcast listener thingy on your phone and post it and we'll pick two people to receive a free copy of judgment detox that sounds great and we'll tell you by commenting on your instagram photo agreed well we'll need your address so we'll say send send me your address you'll know yeah we will (laughs) find you (laughs) anyway i thought this interview was really we went we talked a lot about things that we have not covered yet on the show and it was in depth. And Gabby has gone to places in recent years that are impressive and not for the faint of heart. So I really honor her work. I respect her. And I was super psyched to have her on the show. It was awesome. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy. Have fun. Hey, Gabby. Welcome to the Kate and Mike show. I'm super happy to be on the Kate and Mike show. <laughs> Yay, we're so happy to Thanks have for you coming. Here. Thanks for coming. So I want to know, first of all, First of all, I came to see you talk in Boston about this book, your brand new book, The Judgment Detox. We are going to talk about a lot of things, but I just want to make sure we talk about the book first because I have a tendency to talk about all sorts of other things and then we don't get there. <laughs> so we're just starting there and then we'll... I'm going to talk about other things too because this is all I've been talking about. I know. <laughs> we'll talk about other things. But I just want to say this book is so relevant and the topic 
is just so timely. And the way you talk about it, like there's not one person on the planet. When I heard you talking through the five steps, sometimes I'm going to be perfectly honest. Sometimes when I hear about steps in books, I'm like, I don't want to do do it. Yeah. (laughs) I just, you know, I don't want to do steps and I don't, it sounds hard and you know, all that stuff. But I am unfortunately, or whatever, I, I consider myself, like, I'm a little bit judgy. And so, I don't right, think... You're already judging the book before you even open it, right? Right, exactly. And so, it was so great, because, like, every time since I've talked, since I saw you speak, I'm like, I do step one, really. I've memorized it, and I'm doing step one. I'm noticing my judgment without judgment, because it happens all day. And so, what I just want to say is I find really refreshing. Do I have chocolate on my face? I just made myself some raw cacao hot chocolate, and I have cacao on my face. So those of you who are listening on audio, which is everybody, you can't see that Mike just wiped my face off with a tissue. (laughs) Um, Anyway, the first step is so great. So talk to us about the first step because the point about the book, I don't think, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem like the point is like to never judge ever again. No, there's no way. There's no way. The point of the book is just that you have a different relationship to your judgment. And I can really testify to that because I've, obviously I wrote the book and I had to live the book. And, and then when you write a book, you kind of sign a secret contract with the universe that says, oh, all this shit's going to come up that I have to deal with. It's completely related to the book that I've written. <laughs> so I've had many moments of having to heal judgments to write the book and then to put the book out. So the first step is to witness your judgment without judgment, which is crucial because I equate judgment to an addictive pattern or any type of addiction, because when we have a, when we're triggered in any way, when our core wounds are triggered in any way, the feelings of being unlovable or inadequate or ashamed in any way, if those feelings are triggered from by another person or an experience or a thought, there is an immediate reaction that we have, which is to anesthetize that feeling. We just will do anything we possibly can to avoid that feeling without realizing it. It's almost an unconscious response. And so what some of the ways that we anesthetize those feelings would be to pick up a drink or to eat or to go you know, overwork or to have sex or to use porn or whatever we use to numb out. And there's a lot of 12-step programs for these forms of anesthetizing. But there's no conversation around how judgment is another form of, of numbing out. And so I wanted to bring this conversation to the table because judgment has become such a pervasive issue, not just because it's, oh, it's a pattern, it's just something that we all do, or it's in the media, or it's what's going on in the world. It's because it's our form of numbing out. It's the way that we avoid feeling the deep-rooted shame, feelings of not being good enough and not being happy or being inadequate or unlovable. And so it's that deep. And so we have to, before we can even scratch the surface of healing it, we have to see it. And so that first step is so cool because you actually ask yourself four questions. You're like, what or whom am I judging? How is it making me feel? Because you want to check in with your feelings around it because it's it's usually I'm feeling unlovable, inadequate, not good enough, rageful, right? And then why are you justified in it? Why am I justifying this judgment? And we need to talk, we need to honor our justifications because otherwise they'll sneak back in. So bring that up. And then really getting real. What is the experience from my past that is triggering this judgment now? What is that experience from my past that's making me feel this way? And if you ask yourself those four questions when you're judging, instantly you'll see that your judgment is not justified. You'll be able to really immediately see that your judgment is merely a trigger response to a deep-rooted pain. Yeah. So I just went on a riff on that one. It was great. I'm I'm taking it. I have a question regarding something you said. I heard you say this before too, but like how is – so I get like drinking and drugs as a form of numbing out. How is judging a form of numbing out? So when we judge, like we gossip, for instance, or even judge to another friend, we get sort of like a quick high from it. And we feel like a little bit of, sometimes it's like a false sense of connection, particularly women, because we're so hardwired to connect and communicate. So it's a false sense of connection. It's a little bit of a high It's a feeling of of relief because like any, like taking that drug is a feeling of relief. Judging somebody else is a feeling of relief because we then no longer have to feel that inadequacy and shame towards ourselves. Even judging ourselves is another form of attack. So it's like, 
I don't want to feel that pain. So I'm just going to judge myself instead. So it's like, I'm going to, you know, get into a whole story of all the reasons that I'm wrong, but I'm not going to actually deal with the reason that, that I feel this way. So judgment is just a way of not dealing. So ultimately it's, it's, we get high off of it, particularly when it's judging others or gossiping in some form. Yeah. And ultimately we come down from it pretty quickly because we then feel guilty. We feel guilty. Yeah. yeah. And it also just, it's like a, like you said, it's like a false sense of connection that you get out of being gossipy. And it always makes me feel just like gross. afterwards. Yeah. like, yeah. Oh, like I, yeah, kind of felt good in the moment, but it's like a negative pleasure thing. Totally. So what do you do? So you're with girlfriends and there, and there's a whole gossip thing happening and there's, you're noticing judgment that other people are doing and you don't want to participate. What do you do? I have a whole thing I do now. So one thing I do is, uh, (laughs) I want to know. Sometimes I get hooked into it for a minute. Then I feel like crap because I'm like, Oh shit. I wrote a book called judgment detox and I can't do this. (laughs) And so I will change subjects. I will ask the person a question about themselves. So if I see, I have a, I have a friend who's very judgy. She loves to gossip and she starts going down that road. And then instead I'll just fix, tell me about this new food thing that you're into or whatever it is. Just immediately, it's almost like with a child like redirecting their focus, you know? So just redirecting their focus onto something completely different. So I'll almost like interrupt the pattern right there. Or I will stay silent. This is the best one and let them listen to their shit. If you just stay silent and let somebody else judge, it's an amazing thing because they will have to just hear them. You know what? I learned this from your mom. Your mom was a, had a really interesting thing on a Hay House radio interview once where she said her radio show was before mine. And I always got to hear the last 10 minutes of Chris. And I would tune in early to hear her. And somebody said, you know, this person's always ranting and they're always bitching and they're always mad about something. And your mom said, let them rant and bitch if they want to. And let them listen to themselves. That's hard, but that's great advice. Did she do that to you? <laughs> what? Awesome. Does she no, do that to you? <laughs> no, she doesn't do that to me. I'm not that much of a ranter and a bitcher. No, I have no, to, you say. Like to say. No. Stuff. You stuff. I'm to not, say. but I'm imagining myself letting somebody rant and bitch and just letting it be. And as like, as our friend Terry Cole says, as an over-functioner who like always thinks I'm supposed to fix something, that will be challenging, and I'm so up for the challenge. Yeah. You Thank you for that. Let them, let, them, let them go for it. That's great. Those are all such great pieces. So you don't have to, like, call somebody out. Be like, I actually think that that's just you judging them then. You know, it's like well, we that's can't That's what it feels like. It feels very harmonious. Yeah. Like, I'm now judging you for being judgy. Yeah. No, that doesn't work. It's really awesome to just be quiet. Okay. Thank you. I love that. Hmm. That's great advice. I like that. So the other day, Gabby, somebody asked me how we met. And do you remember the story of how we met? You came over my apartment or something? We had manifested. But there were a couple of things that happened before that. And yeah. so I just want to tell the story because I think it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, so somehow I ended up on your email list. I have no idea how because I was not aware of you. But I started getting these emails. And at the time, I think your logo was like the girl on the unicycle. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. I have no idea why I'm getting these emails, but this is interesting. So I'm reading your emails. And then it said that you lived on 13th Street at the time. And I lived on 16th Street at the time between the same avenues. So I was like, oh, she's my neighbor too. And then it said, you know, sometimes you might see me riding my unicycle around the West Village. And then I did. And I was like, that's weird. And then, so all of that was happening. And I was like, okay, cool. It's <laughs> so embarrassing. And then, <laughs> well, we all, you know, no, it's a door. Who rides a unicycle? That's so cool. Then I went to my yoga class at the time with Derek Barrett, <laughs> who now teaches in Santa Monica, but he used to teach in New York. And he said, after class, he said, thank you so much for recommending me as an editor for Gabby Bernstein. And I was like, first of all, you're my yoga teacher. I was not aware that you're an editor. Right. And second of all, I do not know Gabby Bernstein. And he was like, nope, she said it was you. And I was just like, that is weird. Yeah. At that point, I emailed you and I said, I think you're psychically stalking me. And we just live a couple blocks from each other. 
And so, and so there we go. And then I universal memo that I need to meet you. Yeah. It was so crazy. So it was just like the weirdest thing that he would say, like you recommended me because I clearly did not, but it was the angels just saying, okay, ladies, you need to meet. And it was like a cool little era that we had there in New York with, you know, with all the like young entrepreneur girls, like changing the world, wasn't it? Yeah. Really. Before we all got out. (laughs) We all got out. Although I have to go back tonight. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not fully out. You still have a place there, right? Um, I've got a few toes in, guys. Yeah. yeah. No, but you, yeah, but you're like, you I'm close. definitely I'm close. love to be outside the city. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I just wanted to tell that story because it's just like a silly So funny. Story. It's like a fun manifesting story. And so often I think that, you know, I will ask you this question too. I think that people coming up in business or in the spiritual world want to know like how to connect with influencers or want to know how to connect with other, other people doing the same work. And it's just like a great example of like, you talk about God is my publicist, you know, that yes, you have to do the work, but also sometimes the work is done for you. Yes. Meant to be. Yeah. And I'm sure you have amazing stories of synchronicity from your own career because you've created like a friggin' empire since we met. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, I think that the key is to just relax and show up, like show up for what is most important. And I, I think, you know, like really, really getting that the joy of what you're doing is the most important thing. <laughs> Cause it's so easy to get hooked into like the goals and the credentials or this is for anyone listening, whether you're running a business or starting a family or whatever it is, just really, really focusing on the, like really the moments of the fun that you're having along the way, just the fun moments. Like I was excited to get on with you guys right now. You know, it's like been a week of like a lot of the same questions over and over again. I was like, these guys are going to ask me things that are not related to this book. I'm so excited. (laughs) Or, Or there'll be different questions about the book or, you know what I mean? So there's just these moments that we need to celebrate along the way. I think that people get so forward thinking and that's probably what blocks their successes. Mm. So do you think that that's one of the keys to your having been able to spread the word pretty far and wide about what you're up to? Is that relaxation or, or is there something else? So I think that the key is number one, being authentic and telling the truth. That's the most important thing. So I, it really did, wouldn't matter how well I could like send it, you know, an email sequence or, you know, whatever kind of PR marketing idea someone has. If you don't have something of authentic value to share with people, then it's not going to spread. So I think you have to just be very, very authentic and tell the truth. I think the most important thing for me is that I just have had fun along the way. I haven't felt like I need to be anywhere other than where I am in the moment. And that's actually like such an amazing feeling to not feel like people will be like, Oh, where do you think you're going with your career? And like, I don't really care. Like I'm good. This is, I'm thrilled right now. And that's the truth. Like that's the honest to God truth. I think that really has gives people a lot of momentum. I think when people get stuck in like, I have to be somewhere or I have to, or why am I not there yet? You block the success that you're having in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You anesthetize yourself to what's actually happening. So even though things are good, you can't even feel it. You can't even feel it. Yeah, that's so Hmm. true. How has this changed for you, like, over time, right? Because, you know, because now you're in your 30s, I would imagine. I think so. I got two more years in my 30s, baby. Let's let's keep me there. 38. So, well, 40s are great, too, I hear. I don't know, you know. I feel like I'm just getting smarter along the way. Are you in your 40s? Are getting better? No, I'm 35. I was like, you're younger than I am. Why are you saying 40 is so great? <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you That's know. the word on the street. That's the word on the street. 40 is the new 30, totally. To me, the when I hear like the judgment detox for your book and kind of listen to you talk about this, it's also growing up, right? It's really accepting the way we currently are, accepting people how they are and how they function in the world. But oh, yeah, we're dealing with a lot of our stuff to do this and how has this changed for you along the way? So if you think back to like 15 years ago or when you started writing, you know, and to today, how, what are we looking at that's different? Like as you're operating in the world? Well, that's a great question, Mike. I'm all right. We got one. We got one great question so far. I'm Tim. 
I'm different. I'm new. You know, I always tell the story that this guy at one of the Matt from Hay House was backstage putting my microphone on. This is a few years ago. And he said to me, Gabby, what's new? And I said, you know what? I'm new. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's how I feel particularly in the last two and a half years. I've faced my, some of my darkest, darkest wounds. I have unraveled and unveiled things about myself that I didn't even know were there. I have been humbled greatly by outside circumstances. And I've had to continue to come back to what I know is true for me. So my, my books are better as a result of that. My teaching is better. My speaking is better. Like I gotta say, you know, I, I came home after last week. I saw you guys in Boston and, did three back-to-back events. And I said to my husband, we need to hire another person because I only want to be speaking and writing. I just want to be, I need to speak as much as I, I, I need to be on stage as much as possible. It's really, you are doing your work. Like it was such an honor to see you, right? Cause I don't think I've seen you speak in years. I mean, I don't even remember the last time. And it was so cool to see you up there and just be like, watch how you have relaxed like you are profoundly relaxed and you are just in your element and you are doing the work that you were put here to do and it's so cool to watch so I agree you should just be doing that that's all I want to be doing it makes me cry I just want to be like out of the minutia and hmm. I'm part of it is my most important person on my team not most important but the person I rely on the most for with, you know, giving me relief has been on a maternity leave. So I kind of had a little bit of a relapse in like how, you know, my hands being in things. And I really want to get my hands out so that I can, you know, have a child so that I can speak more often so I can write books that are just like so fucking awesome. So I can just start cursing a lot today. I don't have been doing that lately, but I did it now. Just because you guys, I feel so chill with you. But I just want to have, and really, so that's, that's what's new, Mike, is that as I've grown up, I've been wanting to get myself more and more, relying on other people to help me more so that I can just not in any way stifle my gifts. And I think that where you guys are at in your career, you can do the same. It's like when you put your time in, I think you get to a place where you can get out of the weeds and then just do what is your art. Yeah, I love that you're honoring that. You know, how do you identify? So one of the things we talk about in our, in origin and our membership and just in general is really identifying, like, what are your vital few? Like, what are the things that only you can do that bring you the most joy, that move the needle forward the most in your business that are clearly your things? It's fairly obvious what they are for you, writing and speaking, right? Writing and speaking. And then I think like high level weighing in on messaging, because look, I'm a very, like you guys, you are like luminaries, but you're also great marketers. And I think that that's like wonderful to be able to really claim that, that we can do both and to not be like ashamed of that or like, oh, you know what I mean? Like to be proud of that. Because when I really think about it, if you have an important message to share, it's your responsibility to share it with the world. So to have those skills, to marry those skills is tremendous. So I'm not in any way saying that I wouldn't want to weigh in, be involved. I just can't be like briefing things, you know, like I can't, I can't, you know, I can't. And some of that is just, you know, one man down, one, one important person down and then I have to step in, but I want to get to the place where I don't have to step in. Because I'm curious, this is just a fully self-serving question. How did you guys handle one of your key people being on maternity leave as a really small company? What did you do? I think I got an ulcer and... (laughs) 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 I've lost 10 pounds Uh, and... No, it hasn't been good. It hasn't been good. Okay. So the answer is I won't let that happen again. I'm going to overstaff as a result of it. Nice. So I'm hiring everybody. I'm hiring. <laughs> yeah, good to know. Okay, good to know. A high level marketing person. What have you, what's it been like now having, so how long ago did your husband join your company? A little over three years. Oh, wow. It's been so much longer than I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time flies. Okay. What made you guys think that you would be a good fit to work together? We've known it for a decade. Okay. So I've been in my 
partnership. My husband, I've been married for four years, four and a half years, but we've been together for 11 years. And really early on, right in 2010, when I sold my first, when I sold my second book, my business was taking off. Like he worked in private equity and he had a very big job at the same group for 10 years. But eventually it was just like my world got too big for me to manage. And he was doing it on nights and weekends. But I think years before, we kind of always would say, like, you could run this business. Like, you could be the business end of this business. And that could be the business. That, yeah. So that it wouldn't be me because, oh my God, I would be like so lost. I'd be relying on somebody that I didn't trust. Or, you know, it's obviously you guys know because when it's in the family, it's just such a better feeling. And, we waited like just long enough because he probably financially could have left a year earlier, but spiritually he couldn't. He really needed to stick it out in that job to really honor the job, honor the people that he was there with, like really. And then also feel very, very grounded in what it meant to leave and walk away from that part of his perception of himself. What have you noticed in Zach? since the evolution of like becoming full-time working together with the two of you, you know, over the course of the past three years. Well, ironically, you guys told us something before we worked together that was really like kind of exciting for us. And it's come true, which was, you said, well, you know, it's so nice because when we work together, we have, it was right before we made the jump and you guys were already working together. And you said, you know, it's like, you guys give us some advice. And you said, well, we have so much to talk about. And so like, there's this other, like, there's this really, like, the most, like, other than your family, your child, like, this is your other child in a way, you know? And so it's something that you think about and you live and you breathe and you care for and you nurture and you share it. So it's not like Kate's out there just, like, nurturing this movement and then, Mike, you're going to a job you don't like. It's like, or vice versa. It's like you guys have this thing that you nurture together, and that was the same, What that is what happened for us. So it's like it gave us so much more, like, brainstorming and creative thinking and just like and we're really good at shutting it off too like we don't need to talk about it all day long like I think now that I have a lot more people helping I don't feel like I need to be like thinking about things all night long because somebody else is doing it so that takes away from that like oh we're only talking about work thing like that's totally not there and so we have a real nice common thread that and then, like, I don't know, it's brought us closer working together. I think for folks like you and folks like us, like sometimes it just really works. And I celebrate that every day because I realize that this is not something that's easy for most people. I don't think most people, I don't know that it's necessarily a good idea for most people. I don't think it's a good idea for the majority. But That's I, why I was curious, like, you know, what made you guys think that you could and you just knew and I love that. Like, it was the same with us. We just- I think that one is like, I was desperate for help. Like I just like needed, like I was going to make major mistakes if you didn't show up. And I needed to, again, like get myself out of the weeds. And so it was really clear that 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 was mandatory. He helped me hire, he helped me build the team. He helped me significantly grow the business since he's been involved. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Hmm. Now, so you guys work from home and you work together, but in different offices just like we do, which has been really good. (laughs) Um, And I'm curious, you know, our people love to hear about like time management and how people structure their days as solo entrepreneurs. And so I'm curious, how do you, you're pretty prolific. Like you've been churning out a lot of books and I know you're, you're a fast writer. I'm also a fast writer. So I listened to you on the beautiful writers podcast, which I, I loved that conversation with Linda. It was so, I have to say just, as a writer, it was refreshing to hear another writer talk about writing in a similar way that I experience it because so much of talking about writing is about how angsty it is and how much suffering it is and how it's like, so it's not, I don't find that experience at all. And I think you and I, like you said, you know, it's not a memoir. It's not a heavily researched book. So it's like a different flavor. How do you organize your time? How do you structure your day? It kind of depends on what's going on, but at the moment I have like a lot of calls because like with my team, because I don't have that person, that missing link. But when she's back, I hope to get myself out of a lot of those phone calls. And I want to, like I said, I want to put another person in place so that I never get on those phone calls or I get on them once a week, you know, because those phone calls are just really, you know, that's a lot. So my dream day 
let's talk about my dream day. It's not always yeah, that's great. fun to step into. Would be maybe like writing in the morning. The morning is my magic hour. Like I just, I'm really so spot on. I, I rev up when I wake up. So getting a lot of something creative out in the morning, is very valuable for me. And then maybe having a call or two would be like fine. And then having the afternoon for more of myself. So whether it be like exercise or, and throwing some extra things in there, but not really worrying about it, not being like heavily active in the afternoon. And that's a nice day for me. And a transcendental meditation practice. I do 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon. And the afternoon, well, by the time I do the afternoon one, I feel like very energized by it. Like the morning one's much harder for me to do. The afternoon one's really energizing. So there is sort of like a resurgence of energy. So I get back to doing some work or something or do something creative. But like I said, I haven't been in this space, but I want to be, which is just the majority of my day is creating and serving and being in the art. I deserved it. I, I earned that. I want to be there. Totally. Absolutely. And I feel like I'm cutting off my lifeblood if I'm not. Like a lot of the things that it takes to like run and grow business feel like they're taking me away from what I'm really here to do. And so it's just, just getting clear about restructuring things. Yeah. It's really different ways can I say the same thing in one one interview? No, but it's so true. Like you don't know that it needs to change until you're in the moment when it needs to change. Yeah. That's right. And I'm in the moment right now. There you go. Last night the moment came through. I stood in front of my fireplace and I like literally that the fire was burning behind me. I was standing with my husband and I'm like, I need to be in my heart. And I I I I know let's get let's find somebody else to take over. I got a recommendation. Thank you, Mike. Well, no, I don't have a person. I'm just saying. Oh, general. I was like, wow. He's like, why are we keeping her? Okay. We're good. We're good. I mean, I might. It might come to me, but find somebody in between. So you have Gabby, Zach. You need a person in between and then the rest of the team. Yeah. Okay. That person in between you and Zach is the goal. Yeah. That's where we're looking for there. Yeah. We talk about Licia, Madam President, yeah. all the time on our podcast. Besides marrying Mike, hiring Licia is the best decision we've made in our life. She's like the president of your company. She's the yeah. president. And she just, you know, she keeps us between the ditches. She's like the person who manages the team. So then we're not managing the team. We love our team. But like she's in charge so that we can do what we do best. And it's been such tremendous freedom. And I trust her when you said like, you know, it's better to keep it in the family. She's like keeping it in the family, which is amazing. So yeah. So as you're looking, you'll find that person. And that's been amazing. I'll get back to you. I might, there might be somebody that I remember. Okay. <laughs> I, might, I might have some options too. I'm thinking. Now, yeah. back in the day when you started hiring people for the first time, was it difficult for you to let go of control of certain aspects of your business? And if so, how did you move through that? <laughs> okay. I was it's like, like dangerously understaffed for a day. I know it was horrifying. Because I would go over and know everything you were up to. And you would be like, I have like an assistant, an intern who works like five hours a week. And I was like, what the, I mean, I didn't have anything near what you had going on and, you know, help. So I just, yeah. Wow. That was actually just based on like work addiction, my final frontier of numbing out something that I wasn't aware of. Mm-hmm. And so I had, like, I've talked about this a lot, but I had traumatic memories from my childhood resurface in 2016, at which point I had no choice but to staff up because I had to go in. And so that at that point, thankfully, Zach was working with me for a year at that point. He hired a whole bunch of people. My Madam President, my, the Queen of my, we call, it, we call Jessica the Queen. Oh, I love that. The Queen showed up and that really gave me the space to heal. So, and, and just to continue to empower people. And then so like a flip, a, a switch turned off in me. It was like this fear-based way of hiring and like completely turned off and just, I'm on, I've been on a hiring spree and have been able to grow everything tenfold as a result of having the people to help me. Wait, did you say fear-based hiring? No, I was in a fear-based, fear-based way of not hiring really. Right. Okay. The fear was preventing you from hiring. Yeah, and then for, I don't mean, just really the need to control. Like, it wasn't a logical thing. Like, my accountants would look at my books and say, you're insane. Like, you have to hire people. 
And it was just me wanting to have, I always think, well, nobody else can do it the way I'm doing it. And thankfully people can do it much better than I can. So I needed it, but it, it was, there's a lot of illness wrapped up in that mental illness wrapped up in that truly, like I'm not exaggerating. So I had to heal that. And when I did, Oh my God, this, the switch flipped. And I just started like going crazy, hiring people in a good way. So have you overhired? No, no, I need more people. I need, a, I need another you person. You need more people. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's not overhired. Well, no, I do. I, you know, you can go in the roller coaster where you're overhired and then not. That's then, true. Yeah. We've done both directions. We've been under yeah. and over and yeah, now we're perfect about. So let's talk about workaholism for a second. Great. It is an illness. And unfortunately in our culture, it's a really celebrated illness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what were some of the things that you did? First of all, A, how did you become aware that that was an issue? And B, what were some of the things that you did to work through it? And I know uncovering, you know, right, we have addictions so that we don't feel a certain thing. That's how we started this conversation, talking about the addiction to judgment, really. So obviously, when you have really uncomfortable memories come up, you know, and you feel them, then you don't have to cover them up anymore. So that's like a pretty good way to heal. Was there, like, what did you do? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I realized I had a work addiction when... I was like a month into my trauma recovery of like remembering this event and I was waking up so severely depressed every day. Like I was like, when you remember a traumatic event, you actually like sort of live in it for a little while. So I was like so hyper aware and like triggered and terrified. And so I woke up with waking up depressed and I would, I remember walking up to my desk, sitting at my computer, putting my hands on the keyboard and taking this deep breath and numbing out. Like I noticed, I felt the numb. I felt it like it was a Xanax, like the numb came over me and I caught myself and I was like, oh, this is how I've been avoiding this pain for so long. So I started to face it. And so really facing the pain was, is what heals an addiction. And did you have a support? Like, did you go to meetings or was... Oh, yeah. I had a little bit of everything. Well, I had EMDR, two therapists, 12-step, you know, people like Kate Northrup, Nick Ordner, like Marianne Williamson on speed dial, you know what I mean? Like, I built a tribe around me, you know, and I called on everyone and everyone showed up friends of mine that I hadn't spoken to in years were healing me and helping me and just, yeah. And I'm still in recovery from this, but I'm in a much lighter way. I'm on the upside of it all. I have a question about like healing yourself, kind of what you're explaining now, where is this something that was always normal for you? Or I wouldn't say, okay, let me rephrase that. That sounds really bad. But like, let me give you an example. I think this will help. Like I grew up in Indiana, right? Okay. The Midwest, right? I never knew about therapy, you know, tapping, like any of this stuff that is normal to us in this day and like right now. And so what you just said is you call on these EMDR, like what is your recommendation for like, it's still to me is like, why is that? Like, I don't, I just don't, it's not normal to a certain degree. So I guess, is it, when you look at trauma or someone's experiencing this, like what do you have recommendations like where to start? Yeah, no, I'm I'm really happy you're asking this question because one thing I kept thinking about when I was in my two therapy sessions a week, I was like, what do people do when they can't afford this? Or like, how does somebody survive this kind of pain without help? Like how? And so my response to that was to write about it you know, and to talk about it publicly and to be a voice for it for other people that may not be able to have financial resources to get help or may not be able to find it because they've been too ashamed to admit it. So I started to speak about it. I will write about trauma. I will have a book about trauma recovery. I call it remembering. And I also have been in some ways touching on it in this new book, Judgment Detox. Because the second step in the judgment detox is honor the wound. Mm-hmm. So it's and I, and I bring in teach to EFT. So it's anyone in the so anyone in the world can pick up that book if they feel that there's that they're they're listening and they're feeling like they're suffering and they don't know how to heal those wounds. 
that, that, that they're in those books. So my answer is, what does someone do? Find the teachers, the spiritual teachers, the therapists, the people out there that may be speaking publicly about their work. And find the ones that resonate with you most. And start even with a book. Start with a podcast. Start with something where you, because that's enough to get you started, to just open your consciousness to what type of healing modalities are out there. And once you start to open up that door, more will be presented to you. Because there's countless, as we know, so many free resources out there or resources that can be found in a $14 book. So that's why I write these books. That's why we write these books. That's why we read these books. Because not everything is available, to your point, either available or even in the consciousness of someone that may be brought up in a community that otherwise wouldn't be open to therapy or to the personal growth. So, I mean, I'm sure you hear it all the time. So many of my readers, and I'm sure your readers, are coming to this work saying this is not how I was brought up, but I found it because I hit a bottom, or I found it because I heard you on a podcast, or I saw you in Cosmo, or, I mean, that's why I love doing all those, those like, glossy magazines, because the people that otherwise wouldn't find it, find it there. You know, girls are, like, you know, sitting on the toilet at their Hamptons house finding me in L. you know what I mean? Or, like, someone's in the airport struggling and finding it in Oprah Magazine or something, you know? So that's where the it's your responsibility to get the message out kind of thing comes in because you can be of service to people on a very soulful level through a book. Absolutely. I mean, I have so many books that have changed my life that I'll never meet the author and I didn't need to work with them. Yeah. Just, you know, like, cause I was reading in bed and sobbing my eyes out and having my whole world transformed. All right. I got a follow-up question. Okay. So judgment, I've heard a lot of conversation regarding listening to your interviews, et cetera. And even the book and what we've talked about here is judgment towards self and then judgment towards other people. Right. But what happens as let's say I'm decided to go to therapy and fix myself. And then a lot of people are tossing judgment my way. It's like, how do we process that as an individual, like trying to improve myself when like, let's say your family or your friends like are bringing you down for trying to better your life. Yeah. Like how do I deal with their judgment? To so what I would say to somebody asking that question is a beautiful question is that really when we feel judged by someone, it's just a reflection of our own self-attack that's still present. Because I know that there's people out there that may be judging me today and I get whiff of it, and I don't give a shit because it's not an area that I feel wounded. And when I do care, I know it's my wound. Mm-hmm. So That's so good to identify. Yeah. Because I can think of so many examples. People will write something on the internet and I'm like, that's just crazy. Whatever. Sometimes I want to crawl under my desk and die. Yeah, totally, <laughs> because it so totally. taps into something that I think is partially true. I mean, that you believe is true. It is. The biggest, like, the most upset you've ever experienced about comments that have come in <sighs> is, like, things you told me five minutes before or oh, whatever. Right. Like, 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 24 hours before about, like, this is what... I know. I'm, you know, resisting or something. Or, and the universe is just presenting you what you need to heal. And so we have to be grateful for the people and situations that cause us the most discomfort because they're revealing to us what we still need to heal. So let's just say thank you to them. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you told this really great story at the Boston book event about, is it okay if I talk about the yoga teacher? Oh, I have very publicly talked about the yoga teacher. Yeah, I know. I mean, he was in front of a thousand people in Boston. Poor yoga teacher. She gets whiff of this. She is going to. Can you tell the story about the yoga teacher? Because it's such a great example of what we're talking about. Example, yeah. So my girlfriend came to my house like a week before the book came out, and she was like, "Oh my god, you're not going to believe this." My yoga teacher was in front of her entire class talking about you, like putting down the weight, your style of work. And instantly I'm like triggered. It triggered my feelings of not being smart enough, not being a good teacher, not be, being inadequate, being unlovable, not being good enough. And so my immediate reaction was what kind of yoga teacher judges another spiritual teacher? Like who in the world could treat a spirit? What spiritual teacher is judging spiritual teachers publicly? Like who is this crazy person? And so I'm just in this rage and very, very quickly, I was just like so caught out in my rage and realized that I was now here, a spiritual teacher, judging another spiritual teacher. So it put me into this guilt-shame spiral of feeling so bad about myself. And so then I didn't want to feel bad about myself. So I started judging my friend for even telling me this in the first place. 
And then my friend, I'm feeling so guilty because I'm judging a yoga teacher and my best friend that I start judging myself because in a week I have a book called Judgment Detox coming out. So it's just like, <laughs> this is the judgment cycle. And, but the real point of this is it relates to what we were just talking about is that the yoga teacher judging me triggered me. And it, it wasn't, oh, whatever, whatever. She's just like, but you know what it was? At first, my friend was like, she's talking about you and she didn't say what it was. And I was like, whatever. I mean, God bless her. Good luck to her. Whatever. Like, I literally prayed for her and I moved on. And then when it came out that she was judging the way that I was teaching something, that was when I went into rage. That's when I went into attack back because I couldn't bear feeling the feeling of inadequacy and being not good enough. Couldn't feel it. And then... It's such a beautiful story. Thank you for that. Because and I think this teacher, I, I've been so public about this. I'm sure she knows this. Now, but I just want her to know if she is listening. Thank you for this great story. Come great. On. Thank you for the great story because it gave you this great story for your whole book tour. And then also, you know, like you said, these people are angels because they're putting a light, shining yeah. a light on where we next need to heal. And like, that's just efficient. Totally. So you don't have to worry about what you need to heal. It'll be obvious by what you're judging. That's right. And where you feel judged. I love that. I'm all about it. It's the do less way of healing. <laughs> yeah. So I'll look for it. Oh my God. Okay. So to wrap up, I want to know. Oh, I want to ask him before we wrap up. Okay, let me just ask Gabby where she's going to go next for the book. And then you can ask your question. Okay. Meaning just like book events. Yeah. Since we were talking. About well, when is this coming? This coming out? This is coming out on the 23rd. All my events will be over. Okay, so you oh, missed all the Montreal and Toronto. Montreal and Toronto. Okay, the, our Canadian friends, you can go to Montreal and Toronto, and everybody can get the book. Everybody can get the book. Yeah, beautiful. What is your writing? Now, you talked about you like to write in the morning. Talk to me about how you structure your book. Like, so for Judgment Detox, was it, I know you came up with it when you're writing your other book, but then how do you decide to write the chapters? How did you just sit it all down and write in a week? Is it you <laughs> split it up over a month? Like how is your writing? Like what? I wrote the book in four months, in four months. And I wrote every day and I, I mean, I write 60,000 word books. These aren't like novels. So it's not like, it's not that mind blowing to write in four months, but I also have a very clear outline. So I know where I'm going. I, I have to know where I'm going. And it can change along the way, but it has to stay within the through line. Otherwise, I'm going to get lost. So I start with a really clear outline, have some idea of some of the stories I want to tell. And then sometimes new things come up as I'm writing. In the case of this book, every chapter, as you guys heard in the talk, was just presented to me in a life event. And I was like, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. So it was just like a new thing to talk about, a new thing to teach, a new thing to learn. So a lot of this was unveiled as I was writing, which is not so common for me. I loved hearing that story because, well, the story of how it unveiled itself to you, because I have this thing, which you may also have, where like in order to write something, like whether it be a course or a talk or a book, I have to know it all ahead of time. And I have yeah. to know what I'm going to say. And that if I don't, then it's like not okay yeah. And so it was just, you really gave me permission to say, okay, if I feel like there's something there to start and then it will. And don't cycle it if it's coming. Like there's, so I'm tomorrow selling my seventh book. Can you fucking believe this? Sorry. And there's so Congratulations. Much, yeah. But I won't put it out for two years. I'm going to have a lot more time. Good. And, but the irony is, is that I want to write it right now because I want to write it for myself. Yeah. And it's, the book is called Super Attractor. And I want to write, like, it's, I want to be in that vibration. I want to be in that, that way. But I'm so excited to write it that I haven't even sold it yet. And I started writing the first chapter. That's amazing. <laughs> what a cool, it's so great. Like, because you're in the flow and it's not this feeling of like, Oh God, I gotta start that project. Right. Like that's how, you know, you're doing the right thing is when it feels like I actually want to do this. How beautiful. And that it's going to heal me to write it. Like I, I know that I, I feel, feel so good to get into, to, to just be so committed to the, to the truth of what I believe in. And when you write a book, you have to be in it every day. You can't forget. 
So, and you really don't want to be writing about it and then not living it because that feels really out of alignment. I'm excited. And it's also a very uplifting book to write. So that's why I'm so excited. I'm sure when I write that trauma book, I may not be as excited, but it will be equally as healing. Yeah. And maybe you'll be so excited for the healing that it'll provide other people. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe I'll be so, by the time I write it, I'll be in such a healed place that it will be, I'll be so excited to share my story. I just really want to acknowledge you for being public about having those memories come up because I've had, including you, many friends this past year, oddly, in the last year, two years, have a very similar thing. And I can only imagine if I have so many friends who have had that happen, how many millions and, you know, billions of people have. And so to have, to have public figures like yourself and Lewis Howes and, you know, other people just coming out about it. It's so, I mean, the truth heals, right? Yeah. And you go first. Thank you. You, you speak up and you give other people permission to speak up too. Yeah. That's what Stu told me once. You go first. (laughs) (laughs) I love Stu. Um, Well, thank you, Gabby. So people should come find you at GabbyBernstein.com. Buy the book. They can get the audiobook intro at GabbyBernstein.com forward slash judgment detox. So they can just download the introduction to the audiobook. So if you don't know if it's for you and you want to hear me talk about it first. Yeah. Yeah. Very smart. We love you, Gabby. I love you guys. This was my best interview of the whole launch. No. I love you guys. And you, I, I cursed the most. I don't know. Maybe it's I'm tired. The That's what we yeah. love. Yeah, we just get everybody at the end of the tour so that they're just like, yeah. Exhausted. Just, just so tired. No filter. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> actually. Smart. Oh, we love you, Gabby. Thank you. you. Thank you. Do you feel overwhelmed and like there's way too much on your plate and like you just can never get anything done, I have an invitation for you. In January, I'm inviting you to spend 14 days with me during the Do Less Experiment. This is a 14-day experiment where we're going to see what will happen if for 14 days in tiny ways each day, we do less. We take little things off your plate to create more space for what truly matters. All you need to do to join us is go to dolessexperiment.com, sign up for free, and I will see you in January for spaciousness, ease, and doing less. The dolessexperiment.com.